guys. Welcome to Pop Culture Fuck Mary Kill. We are your hosts. I'm Brandy Johnson. And I'm Kristen Gunn. Every episode, we break down the good, the best, and the absolute trash in pop culture, and we decide which one is our Fuck Mary or our Kill of the Week. Now, as you kids know, we aren't Fuck Mary or Killing People because we're classy, classy bitches, but all of the stuff we're consuming way too much of. It's the classic game you know and love, but this time it's got a spicy pop culture twist. Okay, before we get into it, Brandy, do you have any follow-ups or calls? I have a couple of follow-ups. No calls, but I have one follow-up. Okay, well, I will, I'll go, you go, I go. Sound good? Okay, yeah. So, um, first off, we have not talked about uh, Mulan, have we, on the pod? The follow-up to it? No, no. We had a a very short text exchange, and I think we both were being um, particularly reticent because we knew that we didn't want to waste any of it in the text thread, (laughs) so we could talk about it on the pod. (laughs) But for those of you that remember... Um, this is a very exciting day for Kristen because she has talked about Mulan on maybe the last three episodes. So I'm very, very excited to talk to her about it. <laughs> well, so Mulan, if you guys are just jumping onto the pod for the first time, uh, was supposed to come out on March 27th of this year, but COVID happened. And so they delayed, de- Disney delayed and delayed and delayed. And it didn't, um, it wasn't clear when it would come out. And then, you know, surprise, maybe a month ago, they announced that they would be releasing it on Disney Plus. But in order uh, to watch it, in addition to your subscription that you already have through Disney Plus, you had to pay an additional $30, which people were salty about, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, I was happy to pay it because I want more female action movies, particularly women of color action movies. And so I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is. And I think it's totally fair when a blockbuster, you know, could have made a billion dollars in the movie theater, like charge me $30 to watch it on pay-per-view because I would have spent a hundred bucks with my kids taking them to see it and food. So it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a deal in that sense. Um, So came out on September 4th, 3rd, 4th, 4th, um, which feels like a million years ago at this point. And uh, I got to say, I was super happy and loved it. It did not disappoint me. Some people loved it and some of the reviews were not as good. Um, So it was kind of mixed. I really liked it. I do really, now that I've seen it and watched it a couple of times, I do really wish that I had gotten to see in the movie theater. I see how it would have felt like just really, you know, all consuming in the movie theater, but it definitely had me choked up a couple times. Like I knew it would. Good movie. Overall, two thumbs up. How about yeah, you? I second, every- I second everything you said. I, I really realized while watching it during some of the, like the more expansive sort of scene setting parts of it that it would have benefited so much from being seen on the big screen. And that made me kind of sad. Um, but it was still gorgeous on my living room TV. I thought, um, I thought it was just really, really pretty to look at. Um, I, a couple things about it bugged me, but like, ultimately did I enjoy my time watching it? Yes. Um, do I still really, really enjoy the animated version and think that the songs actually add a lot to, 
plot and character development in that one? Yes, I do. <laughs> but did I want songs on this one? No, I did not. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. And I was fine paying $30. I begrudged that many times on this podcast also, but I was like, sign me up for Premiere Access. Take my $30. I don't care. So, yeah. 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 I will say um, the first time I got really choked up and was like, <gasps> was when they were training and the overture for Be A Man played. Oh, same. And I was just like, ah, they got it in there, even if she's not, they're not singing it, which, you know, is great. And I, you know, I think the, the updates they made, I won't enumerate them here, but the updates they made, um, creative choices, uh, I thought were all really good. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, one in particular that, she is a a skilled warrior that starts training when she is little because she likes it and she's adventurous and fearless which then makes her less of a a mary sue which i fucking hate that term like just yeah shove it up your ass (laughs) but um it makes it more believable when she is so skilled and then she has to hide her skills so she doesn't stand out, which I thought was a really great addition. And I will say my son, um, who's 10 years old, we were watching it together. And while we were watching it, when she was, you know, hiding how good she was, my son was like, why is she doing that? And I was like, well, so she doesn't draw attention to herself because, you know, she's, she's not supposed to be there because she's a woman. And he's like, were women not allowed to like fight and be in the army? And I was like, no, I mean, really up until really recently. And in a lot of places they still aren't. He was like, oh, well, that's sad. Uh, 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 Yeah. The, the hiding of her like Jedi like powers, if you will. um, I thought like her skill, like it, it really struck me because like still such a, a poignant narrative for many people like to not be too powerful or to say too much or to be too loud because you don't want to draw attention to yourself or um, have people consider you, you know, intimidating, God forbid. Um, I thought that really resonated with me. Um, Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I liked all the updates. Yeah. Yeah. I will say we'll post on social. um, I've done some research and there are several other uh, Chinese live action Mulans that I am looking forward to acquiring in some form or fashion and watching. So um, they're not easy to find. Normally I would say fucking Google it yourself, but we'll put a link to that. Cool. Right on. All right, Brady, what's your follow-up? Okay. Uh, I don't know if it was one episode ago or two episodes ago, but we, maybe it was three episodes ago. I don't know. Time is nothing. Um, Kristen brought up uh, something she was excited about, which also came out on the 4th on HBO Max, and that was a movie called Unpregnant, and I just want to say that I watched it, and it's fucking bomb, and it's absolutely perfect, and I wouldn't change a single fucking thing, and everybody should watch it if you haven't watched it at the end. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. I still, even even though I was, like, ready to hit play when it came out, I just, life has happened, so I haven't gotten to it. So the fact that you loved it and you were super jazzed about it um, makes me super excited to watch it. I think you're going to love it. Cannot, cannot, cannot recommend it enough. Um, all right. All right. Second follow-up? Second follow-up, and then I'll, I have a third, but I'll edit it out because we got a lot of show left to do. <laughs> um, 
finally finished Teenage Bounty Hunter. Yes. Season. And it's amazing, as you um, proclaimed. (laughs) And, you know, it's very rare that a season can start off strong and then stick the landing like Simone Biles style. And it totally did. So um, if you were on the fence about watching it, or maybe you watched an episode or two and you're like, "Mm, I'm medium about this. Um, it, write it out because it totally, it's, it's worth it. It's good. Good, good, good. Yes, 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 yes. I'm so glad that you finally finished it. And also I can't believe you didn't text me. I would like to think that that's because you wanted to save the conversation for the pod, but I will let it go this time. We can talk more about it offline. Uh, moral of the story, watch Teenage Bounty Hunters uh, if you haven't. All right, my... Fuck of the week is a show on Netflix that I found and accidentally watched it all in one sitting because I didn't realize it was only six 20 minute episodes. Um, wouldn't take it back. Uh, is a show called The Duchess. Have you heard of it? Um, y- yes, I have heard of it and I've seen the thumbnail. You've seen Tell the thumbnail. Me more. Okay, cool. So I got served it on Netflix and I was like, what is this? Like, okay. Um, I'm going to play the uh, little part of the trailer here so you can kind of get a little gist of it. I've been separated from Olive's father since she was a baby, and that was my last serious relationship. You do know more than a Saturday ago, right? I want to be part of this family. I really want to be let in. So how about this weekend we do anal? What? No, I mean, I mean, let in. That's not what I because that's, I mean, I mean, I'll do it. Like, that's, that's what I do. Okay. So Catherine, you were unable to make your relationship work with Trousse boy band star Shepard Knight. I've moved on, as you can see, and soon you will too. I'm here for you, babe, if you ever want to talk. And I'm here for you if this is a hostage situation. Just blink if you're in trouble. Mommy, are you pissed about my stepmom? No, I didn't have you, so you'd belong to me forever. Olive can't be an only child. That's what Beyonce's parents said, and then they had Solange. Solange is the true visionary of that family, and you know it. I'm ready to have another baby. Uh, I need to do this with a sperm donor. It's the safest way for me. What's your reason for wanting a child in this way? Well, my entire family are dead to me, so when Olive was born, I was all alone, but now we have each other. We have donors in their late teens and early 20s fit for a geriatric pregnancy. What did you just call me? You're gonna stick some pathetic random loser spunk up yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Yours. What do you mean mine? If one of my kids gonna have a shit dad, both my kids are getting a shit dad. Okay, well, that's so just you... not what I thought it was at all. <laughs> exactly. That is why it's my fuck is because it just sort of, it came up and I was like, sure, I'll give it a shot. And it was awesome. It's six episodes, like I said, it's 20 minutes of pop, j- just about. Um, I didn't realize it was so short. I started watching it one day last week and I was like, great, a new show, I'm pumped. And then it was over and I didn't even realize that it was over. Um, so uh, the main woman is Catherine Ryan. She's a comedian. I haven't really watched any of her stuff, although I've heard of her before. Um, she created the show. And as you can tell from the trailer, she plays a single mom. She's got like a nine-year-old daughter, quintessential precocious British daughter who's like her best friend. Um, she had her with like a, a guy in a boy band. They didn't work out, so but she had this kid and she's decided... I should have another kid because I don't want my kid to be an only child. Um, And she kind of does things her own way. She doesn't need to rely on anyone. She doesn't take any shit. Um, I debated whether or not playing the trailer or 
like my favorite interaction of the whole six episodes, um, which happens with another mom that she has to interact with at this kid's school. She is American, but she lives in the UK. That's where she, she met her her baby daddy and that's where she raises her kids. And um, it's stylized really well. It's super funny and sharp and uh, it's got teeth, but it's also got heart and she's funny. And uh, I just wasn't expecting it. And I was really, really thrilled that I watched it. And it's such an easy thing to consume. Like you could watch it in a night. Like it's basically a movie. Um, and yeah, I just really recommend The Duchess on Netflix. Uh, that is exactly what I need in my life right now. So I'm probably going to watch that later today. Thank you. I think you will really like it. Text me when you watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the reason I need to watch something like that right now is a perfect segue into how I'm going to turn this on its head a little bit, this pod a little bit this week. Um, all I have are kills. And <laughs> whoa, it has been a shitty week in general, uh, and all the storm clouds are brewing. And I don't know if that is then making my uh, rose-colored glasses, shit-colored glasses, or whether media has just been bad. But mm-hmm. um, here is my fuck kill. Okay, this might be a little bit of. Um, a controversial pick, which is why I'm picking it for my fuck kill. Um, I started watching the YouTube original series that then got uh, dropped on Netflix, Cobra Kai. And everybody's like, Cobra Kai is so good. I can't believe it's so good. And also people are talking about it now like it hasn't been out for like two years. Yeah. But um, because it just, you know, it didn't exist when it was on YouTube, which is fine. I, whatever, you know, like don't subscribe to YouTube red, like who the fuck cares. But, uh, I was kind of jazzed to watch it. And then I watched like the first 10 minutes of the first episode, I was dying laughing because it was so bad. Like so bad. It was like student film undergrad bad. Um, Oh my God. It's, so uh, Johnny, so if you're, if you're not familiar with Cobra Kai, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a, a long-term sequel to Kar- the original Karate Kid, um, which has uh, Ralph Macchio as Daniel and William Zabka, I think is how his last name, is Johnny. And so Johnny is the head of the Cobra Kai um, karate troupe that very famously at the end of the first Karate Kid kid you know loses with the crane kick that ralph macho gives him and so mm-hmm. cobra kai like it's a great premise right it's it's wicked but for uh you know an 80s classic right <laughs> so now we're gonna we're following johnny um who's this washed up loser in la and he has mm-hmm. to um deal with the fact that ralph macho is now this air quote successful used car dealer <laughs> Which also, yeah. like, that's great. Like, that's a great premise. So, like, you know, Ralph Macchio's is, like, cheese dick, um, uh, used car dealer, and uh, Johnny uh, kind of decides to get his life together by starting a new Cobra Kai uh, karate school, and he trains mm-hmm. the the basically new 2.0 version of Ralph Macchio that's, like, the little dork in his apartment complex. Um but it's, it's like not good. And the acting, 
the reason why uh, Johnny uh, William Dobka uh, has never been in anything else is because he's a bad actor. Like it's it's terrible, terrible, and like so many. So many times I was just like, I mean, I'm going to watch the whole thing, like drink and watch the whole thing. And I'll probably figure out like a drinking game for like all of the times that people are unmotivated bullies. Like in the opening mm. bully scene where like the new Ralph Macchio is getting bullied, they, the bullies literally pour a uh, Pepto-Bismol on his head like a milkshake. Like who does, nobody does that, right? Yeah. And then Johnny as like a 50-year-old adult kicks a bunch of high schoolers asses like actually beats them up oh and you're God. supposed to root for him <laughs> it's just so funny and so bad and the most shocking part of it all is uh, if if you uh, recall in the original karate kid elizabeth shoe is the love interest that they fight over um which is the only a-list actor uh from from that uh series that's still alive and <laughs> Uh, they they have a flashback scene where you see her and I was like oh whoa they got the rights to use Elizabeth Shue's face and that's I mean obviously she's not in it she won't touch uh -huh. that thing with a 10-foot pole but um the fact that they even had her in it at all was like whoa oh okay anyway Cobra Kai you want a good drunk laugh that is my fuck kill of the week well, I wasn't going to watch it because I'm not a Karate Kid kid, but um, now I'm definitely not going to watch it even in my darkest hour. So thank you. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, Brandy, what is your Mary of the Week? Okay, so my Mary of the Week probably shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, but it is the first ever virtual Emmys at home telecast that was last night. Um, I think we all probably had pretty low expectations for a virtual award show of this caliber. You know, a couple have happened. They have, they did the VMAs, which I did not watch um, because VMAs. Um, but the Emmys is one of the, that's one of the big, big two uh, that we watch, Emmys and Oscars. And so, oh, three and Golden Globes. Um, and so I had to watch it. And all things considered, it was pretty fucking good. Like I was very impressed and at times surprised by the choices they made. Um, you could very easily tell that they made a conscious effort to uh, include more people of color, um, different points of view, more females um, in different parts of the telecast. Um, and it didn't feel like it was in your face to me. It really felt like we are understanding the climate and changing the conversation and the perspective a little bit, which I really appreciated. Um, all things considered, I thought Jimmy Kimmel, not my favorite, but he did a pretty good job with a really hard thing to accomplish well. A um, couple of things that I loved. One, they had a handful of celebs actually come in person to the arena with Jimmy Kimmel to do a couple of throws to awards or bits. Uh, Jennifer Anderson was one of them, loved that. Uh, she also did a little Zoom bit with uh, Courtney Cox and Lisa Kudrow, absolutely loved that as well. Um, they had a smattering of frontline and essential workers be uh, give a little spiel on kind of like 
themselves, but also kind of like the role that they play in this whole pandemic and also announce uh, nominees and winners for awards, which I absolutely loved. I was thrilled to see that. Um, they cut to uh, Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington at one point um, having a New Year's Eve party in their backyard because they just wanted 2020 to be over. And I thought that was really cute and charming. Um, certain, you know, we saw into the homes uh, and living rooms and offices of um, all of these people who were nominated, um, but some of them were able to have small gatherings, you know, socially distant, safe gatherings, like the Schitt's Creek team who was able to gather in Canada and be sort of spaced out, but together, which I really thought was cute and ultimately really benefited the seven Emmy sweep that Schitt's Creek had, which if you know us and you know this podcast, I could throw up. I'm so thrilled that that happened, you know, for a show to be on the air for six seasons, completely ignored for four seasons, get a huge bump from Netflix, and then to still be a show that I feel like I'm going to have to defend and tell people that they need to watch for all of time, much like Happy Endings. I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled. They set a record. They won the most wins by a single comedy in one year, and they were the first comedy ever to sweep all four acting categories uh, for a comedy show, which when you think back to some of the juggernauts like Veep, Modern Family, um, that's surprising to me. It seems like those shows just, just slayed every category and were just like raking in the Emmys. But for this little show to do that is just absolutely amazing. It was also nearly a sleep, sweep for Watchmen. They got basically everything except for one acting uh, nomination. Um, so Regina and Yaya both won, which I absolutely was thrilled to see. Um, Damon Lindelof, really thrilled to see that as well. Um, the acceptance speeches were really good because it was this strange, like no holds bar, kind of footloose and fancy free, low pressure kind of dynamic. I actually think that it made the reactions and the speeches so raw and genuine and just so full of actual charm and delight. And I just, I thought that like, like Yaya's speech for winning for Watchmen, you know, he dedicated to all the black women in his life and it was such an amazing speech. And he looked so absolutely thrilled and delighted. Regina King accepting and winning a shirt for Breonna Taylor, same for Uzo Aduba. Um, like people just didn't care because they were at home and like Damon Lindelof's speech for winning, he not, he dedicated it to the victims of the Tulsa massacre, like just really, really heartfelt. Nobody got played off by music. Nobody had weird things bleeped, like just really, really charming. Um, and young talent won as well. So Julia Garner won for Ozark and Zendaya became the youngest woman ever to win a lead drama Emmy. Um, yeah, I just, overall, it was really good actually. Do I think that we should in any way keep some of these things? I don't really know about that. And did I have this impending sense of dread and sadness that I was watching an apocalyptic version of the Emmys, something that normally makes me feel so normal and whole? Yeah, but it was still great. And so that's why it's my Mary this week. Um, so I have not had a chance to watch. I'm glad you watched so that I can get the, I, the recap. I read, obviously, you read the winners and 
you know, is super excited about shits. And uh, one other of note, um, one of my favorite shows, one, I think one of the, my favorite dramas that just doesn't get enough uh, popular love is Succession. And the fact that it won mm. for best drama, um, amazing, super happy about that. And obviously Watchmen. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the thing about the Brianna Taylor shirt that Regina King wore because I was all about that too. Mm-hmm. Um, question, did they know ahead of time that they won? How did that work? Okay, so no, they didn't. And the way that they accomplished it was honestly wild, but, and I thought was a gag, but ended up being real. So they had, there were, there were two different ways that they notified winners. One of which was they deployed this sort of like team of interns with an Emmy to all of the nominees' houses in a given category and were there waiting to give it to them when the winner was announced. And then if you won, they were like, knock, knock, here's your Emmy. They were in these hazmat suits that looked like tuxedos. It was a whole thing. That I know is real because Rachel Brosnahan, Mrs. Maisel, she posted a photo with the person and like, she didn't win. And she was like, when you don't win the Emmy, but they're at your house anyway. And I was like, holy shit, they actually did that. That's so fucking bizarre. And like, there were times when an actor would win and they would start their speech and then somebody would walk in like their wife or their assistant or whoever would walk in and hand them the Emmy and they were like oh what and it was just like so fucking bizarre world the other way that they did just a couple of the category wins were um they like dropped off these like big boxes and when (laughs) when the winner was announced it was like spring loaded and it like opened out and an Emmy popped out of it with confetti and stuff. If you go back and watch it, you'll see, um, I don't think it's a spoiler, but John Oliver won for like the gazillionth year in a row for um, last week tonight, of course. And when it explodes, he's like visibly like, oh my God, like he is shaking. He's like, I, what the fuck just happened? Um, so there, those were those were two kind of ways that they did it. Also, if you watch Sam B's Instagram, later that night, she tried to open the box to see what was in it. And it turns out it was a $28 bottle of um, champagne. So um, yeah. That now makes sense. I saw that on Sam B's thing where she's trying to pry it open because she's like, what is this? I'm so, like, and she's yes. like embarrassed because she can't open it. And then they like look up the price of how much the, the champagne is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, but both I thought were effective in their own ways, but truly, truly bizarre. Ah, all right. Well, I appreciate the recap. That uh, alone is worth the price of uh, our podcast today. <laughs> good, given good. The, okay. Giving well, the people the value. What is your marital kill? Mary kill. So um, again, this is probably something that a lot of people like. And so that's why I'm making this my Mary kill. Um, it's, uh, I watched the new Charlie Kaufman movie on Netflix starring Jesse Plemons and Tony mm-hmm. Collette called I'm Thinking About Ending Things. And I was so excited to watch this because I love Jesse Plemons. If you don't know him uh, by name, go and Google him. You'll recognize his face. He was the scene stealer in Friday Night Lights playing Landry. And he was also a scene stealer in Breaking Bad playing Todd, which is very hard to do in Breaking Bad because it's Mm -hmm. fucking Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. Um. And so he leads, and I, I read this 
great interview with Jesse Plemons where he said uh, he was felt so, he was hired on the spot um, by Charlie Kaufman to to be in this movie without an audition or anything. And Char- and Jesse Plemons was like, I feel like this guy made a mistake, and he was super intimidated to like go to work. And I thought that was the cutest thing ever because he's so good at what he does. And I was like, Come on, man, you're totally like worthy of of this, right? Um, but the movie is unnecessarily obtuse is the best way I could say to describe it. Like, I love Charlie Kaufman. Um, You know, I think he's a little bit hit or miss. Um, You know, some of the movies that uh, obviously everyone loves being John Malkovich, Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. Um, You know, he's gotten a little bit more off the rails in the last, you know, five, 10 years. And um, I will say, it's not that I didn't understand the movie. By the end of the movie, I was like, oh, this is what is happening in this movie. And then I went and looked it up because it's based on the book. And I was like, no, I was totally right. Like, I got this movie, but it was just unnecessarily crazy. Like, it was it was just completely unnecessary. The end. Is it bad that, like, so, like, I like a good Kaufman joint, you know? Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm like most people, um, you know, Eternal Sunshine is an absolute classic, right? Like, absolutely love it. When I saw that this was coming out and I saw a trailer for it, I was like, you know what? I just don't think right now I want to watch something where I have to get it. You know what I mean? I was like, I don't want my brain to do the thing where I'm like, is this the thing that it's about? I don't know, could be. Like, I just didn't even want to have to go down that weird wobbly path. So I was like, I think I'm going to sit this one out. So I'm glad I did. It was really well acted, well produced street performance art. Right? Yes. I'm sure a lot of people fucking love it and they're up their own assholes about it. And oh my God, what does this thing mean? And let's dissect this thing like a, you know, frog leg, you know, like, no, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it was just, it's not more clever because it's more confusing. Yeah, that's my thing. Like, just because you try to make this really confusing does not mean it's good like right (laughs) and we are definitively saying that we are the arbiters of good uh book it book it brandy what is your kill of the week your kill kill my kill kill of the week is something that I find so incredibly boring and so incredibly white that I only watched one episode of it and it's the home edit, organized crap or whatever it's called. Oh, you're saying it so I don't have to. Great. Oh, perfect. Was this your kill kill? This was my kill kill 1B, so I'll do 1A, Got but it. keep on going. Okay, yes. super. So um, Get Organized with the Home Edit, I think is the official title, is a new show on Netflix. Um, If you don't know what the home edit is, they're a wildly popular 
organization or company um, who found fame and follows on Instagram, their whole thing is organizing your crap in plastic bins and labeling it and doing it color coded and celebrities fucking love it. If you've seen photos of celebrities, offices, bookshelves, closets, and it's organized in a rainbow color scheme, that's the fucking home edit. If you've seen them post things where everything's on a lazy Susan and it's in a clear basket and it's got a label and it's organized to the nth degree, that's the fucking home edit. Now, the show was, I can imagine, pitched and the, the trailer even such that, you know, if you thought you were going to go into this and get kind of a Marie Kondo-esque, here's how I organize things, I... <laughs> I hear tips and tricks and why we do certain things. This is why we label. This is how we say no goodwill. Yes. Keep yes. Top shelf. Yes. This or whatever. It's not that it sucks. <laughs> and the reason it sucks is because how do I say this? Like, well, besides it sucks, but the first episode that I watched and mind you, I only watched one episode cause I was like, this sucks. They do like a normie person's house, this nurse uh, who doesn't have time to organize and stuff and her friends nominated her. And they also do Reese Witherspoon's house. Their thing is like getting in with celebs. Um, I'm assuming it's because that's who can afford their organizational skills. They do Reese Witherspoon's closet and it's her Nashville home. And that's where she has all of her memorabilia, all her costumes from her movies, her outfits, uh, props, jewelry, et cetera. You know, think Legally Blonde outfits and, you know, uh, Oscars dresses and things like that. They are pumped. And they basically just take the shit and then do it in the closet. And they're like, here you go. There's no tips. There's no tricks. There's no advice. Uh, not even for the normal person's thing. Like at one point they're like, look at these cute little scarf balls. But it's like, okay, well, did you show her? Like, like they don't show you anything or tell you anything. They only show you the end result. And I find that incredibly asinine and incredibly boring. Like, why would I watch a show where you just basically go snap your fingers, here's your organized closet, but we're not really going to tell you why or how we did anything. Also, maybe it's because like you could just watch a YouTube video and you wouldn't have to pay these fucking people to organize your shit. Also, they do insane things like they were doing Reese Witherspoon's closet and they were not chill at all. Like, I get it. You're on a show. You connected with Reese over Instagram. Cool. You still need to act profesh. And they were acting like fucking children. They were squealing over things. At one point, one of the main women tries on the legally blonde slippers. And I'm like, I know that like, Reese seems cool and chill and she was cool and chill about it on the show. But like, that's unprofessional to me that I would stick my feet into a pair of memorabilia slippers. Like that's fucking weird to me. And it just seemed very like kind of childish and all the women that work on their team are white and they're fucking white. And like Reese was saying, oh, they're so funny. And like, I didn't get that. I don't follow them on Instagram, but she was like, yeah, I just love their humor. They're just so funny on Instagram. They made me laugh so hard. I'm just like, what? I'm like, are they comedians who organize or why does she think they're so funny? Like it just fucking sucked. And um, yeah, I wanted it to be something else and it wasn't. And I, I feel like the end result is a incredibly boring show that I don't know why anybody would watch.
Um, yeah. So what you're saying verified all of my suspicions. I only watched the like 15, not even 15 seconds, like the five seconds. Like when you, when you hover, you have your settings wrong on Netflix and the hover over the thumbnail makes the audio start. And it's like, I have this Pavlovian response because it's now done it like five times where I've accidentally rolled over it. And there's a ding dong of a doorbell and then Reese Witherspoon's open it opens yeah. it and then they're like <laughs> and it's like this high-pitched girl squeal which like it's super sexist to be like that sucks but like it just it sucks it sucks um as much as guys being like bra you know like so it's you know yeah it's that it's that and and, and I digress uh, yeah, I'm sure the reason why they didn't show the process on anything is because there's not any there there, right? Like yes. there's enough yes. substance to fill two Instagram photos and like not much more. Yes, you know? yes, Th that's exactly what I gathered is like, oh, cool. So like you guys made a show about how you do this, but like it's actually like really easy to do what you do and that sounds really mean, but like, ugh, there's no, there's no there there, like you said. Yeah. Well, so like, that's my kill. Great. I'm glad that um, I don't have to watch that show. You spent your hour doing it so that we don't have to. Also worth that's the price right. of the podcast this week. <laughs> All right, Kristen, uh, what is your kill kill? All right. Thank you for taking my 1B with the, the Get Organized show, Home mm -hmm. Edit. Mm -hmm. uh, my 1A is some bullshit fucking casting that has come out this week uh, uh -oh. including the this is like a, a soft announced so it might not happen both of these are soft announced so they might not happen but like if i you know we, the trendsetters that we are i would like to uh, initiate a thousand billion tweets so that these don't happen um, have you heard who the very likely, like, real new James Bond is likely going to be? Not like all these bullshit rumors that always go around? No. Tom Hardy. No, 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 uh-uh, no. This is Idris Elba's time. I refuse to accept that mumbling Tom Hardy. Yeah, no, I know, right? Like, Tom Hardy, like, honestly, like, fine, whatever. Like, I'm indifferent to him as a person, um, but like Idris Elba has to be James Bond and I know he's not going to be, I know he's already said he's not going to be, but like, there is no other, there is no other. Don't want to hear anything about it. So that's my one. Fuck that. Uh, fuck that shit. Or like, um, I don't know. Sophie Waller-Bridge. Why don't we just make her, she's already writing this shit. Why don't we just make her be fucking James Bond? BB Waller-Bridge. Whatever I said is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I don't know. Give me anything else besides, like, Daniel Craig as if it went through, like, a warp machine. Like, just, you know, I don't know. Fucking branch the fuck out. This is why, you know what? This upholds my long-held beliefs that James Bond fucking sucks and I only recently watched the movies, and they're fine, but, like, I still think overall sucks as a franchise, and this just proves that. So thanks for coming to my TED Talk. James Bond sucks. Continue. 
I'm really excited to see what Sophie Waller-Bridge does with the next one. <laughs> Uh, okay, other terrible casting choice because one, we need this person to play this role for a myriad of reasons, sarcasm, and two, we need this movie at all in general. Um, it is soft announced that Jim Carrey will be playing an older version of the Joker in another fucking Joker movie. No, you're lying. I am not lying. That is, it's not like um, it's not like official done deal. Blah blah blah. It's you know the the step before that. Like they they kind of like soft announce these things. I'm looking it up right now. Jim Carrey Joker new movie. How's that gonna get you. me? This is absolute horseshit. Oh, I see. I see. Okay, WB reportedly eyeing Jim Carrey to play older Joker disgusting um this makes me mad like everybody everybody knows jim carrey played the riddler in the second to worst batman movie that there is but also like we just don't need another joker anything like just set him aside last week we talked about how there needs to be more original content for example the lady in France who really existed, who made uh, poison and sold it as cosmetics to women so that they could slowly poison their husbands and kill them to get out of abusive marriages because they had no other options. Like, why can't she have a movie? Why do we need another fucking Joker movie? So not into it. You know, honestly, e even kind of interesting would be Jim Carrey playing a washed up Riddler. Like, that'd be fun, maybe. Sure. Because... You know, uh, I'm I'm upset and frustrated, and also, when is he going to find the time? Considering he just signed on to SNL to play Joe Biden in all of the, I guess this season, he's he's the new Joe Biden. Also, can we just? I'm just a little bit tired of celebrities playing the people like famous people like can we, they just cast better on snl so that they can do that you know yeah i actually was just having this conversation with somebody on my team at work like it's now become like an occasion like they they hire and they bring in like really big name people like woody harrelson previously who was playing joe biden last year who i actually think is hysterical as Joe Biden. And so I think it's interesting that for whatever reason, you know, he isn't signed on to do it now. Um, yeah, like it used to be cast members were sort of groomed and honed like political figures, uh, impressions. Um, I think like, I mean, Joe Biden's a white guy. So like any of the white guy, like Beck Bennett probably could have done a fine Joe Biden, like, you know, no need to hire. But I think that they, one, I think SNL has increasingly become like a watch the clips on YouTube kind of thing. And I think that these big names really help drive traffic for the young people, the youths to watch the clips too, um, which is a bit of a bummer. And it makes it an occasion to tune in. Also, if you've got, oh, huge name like Jim Carrey or whoever being the person who comes on, like, oh, I, I may want to tune in because I don't want to miss out, which fine, but also like if SNL is becoming that irrelevant, they have to do stunt casting for the, you know, political figures, like, yeah, to your point, just 
try to find somebody on your own cast to do it, or maybe you're becoming irrelevant, SNL, I don't know. And I say that as someone who's grown up and loves SNL still, even though it makes me mad. Yeah, no, I like, I love it. I love, you know, even Tina Fey as Sarah Palin, she wasn't a fucking cast member when she did that, right? They brought right. her back. So like, and I think that was probably the, the, the origins of bringing people in, right? You know, and yeah, you're totally right. It's, it's so that it becomes like must watch clickbait. Um, so I, I get it, but like, I'm just, maybe it's just like a, you know, a top 40 song that I've listened to way too many times. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of done, you know, like Alec yeah. Baldwin was great, you know, Woody, like every time they bring in fun surprise, we like when Melissa McCarthy did uh, Sean Spicer, like so super fucking funny. Sometimes it was really fun to just see, oh, who would randomly pop up and play somebody this week? But yeah. I'm, I don't know. I'm just yeah. I'm a little tired of it. It's a little threadbare. In any case, yeah, same. Casting this week, uh, you know, hopefully these things don't materialize into actual shows. That's why I'm sending our army of listeners to the internet to make sure that this doesn't happen. I agree. Really good kill kill. Um, I will keep my eyes peeled because if those really do come to fruition, I'll be mad. And then where will I channel my rage, Kristen? Because <laughs> there's nothing else going on. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. Do you have, those are our, well, that's my FMK and that's your FK, MK, KK. <laughs> Don't say KKK. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, kill me. Um, okay, so we're, we're moving on to the honorable mentions. Do you have any honorable mentions? No. <laughs> you don't have any? Okay, I have a couple. Well, I'm just I, gonna run. I'm gonna run through them real quick. Yeah, sure. Okay. So uh, I'm still not over the Fast Times at Ridgemont High table read that Sean Penn organized with some of the biggest movie stars in the world for charity uh, over Zoom. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, you know, it's got your Brad, it's got your Jen, it's got your Morgan Freeman, it's got your Julia Roberts, your Matthew McConaughey. I mean, really fucking huge stars. And also for some reason, Dane Cook is there. I don't know who invited Dane Cook. My guess is that Sean Penn and him must be buds because he did not belong. But anyway, um, everywhere all over the internet, everybody was obsessed with Jen and Brad. I hate to be the people who are obsessed with every interaction that they have because they're both obviously fine and happy and successful and whatever as separate human beings, but I am obsessed with every interaction that they have, um, particularly um, this one. We see Brad, he's kneeling on the bathroom floor, his back to us, his green t-shirt is on, his underwear in a pile on the floor behind him. His arm is pumping slowly. Brad is jacking off. Dissolve to exterior Hamilton pool Brad's daydream. It features Linda Barrett just as she stood on the diving board a moment ago. She is gorgeous. Her breasts seem even bigger than usual. Her nipples are hard, poking through the film maroon string bikini. Water rolls slowly down her cheeks into the corners of her mouth. Her lips are parted slightly. Her eyes are filled with desire as she says, Hi, Brad. You know how cute I always thought you were. 
I think you're so sexy. Will you come to me? Angle on Brad in Daydream, in a nice shirt, his hair combed back, and looking great. He walks to Linda. She reaches out. So that's just one of the many ones that I could have played. But so Morgan Freeman was the narrator. He did like the stage directions um, for the table read. And <laughs> like, uh, well, I'll post it on Instagram if I haven't already, but I think that I did because I was obsessed with this. Um, you know, Brad is playing Brad, Jen is playing Linda, and everybody on the call. So again, all those huge movie stars that I named when Morgan Freeman is describing like Brad Pitt jacking off to Jennifer Aniston's character and describing Jennifer Aniston, like they all are cackling and smiling as if they are school children. Like it is the cutest, dumbest, most pure thing that all of these huge movie stars just think that this is the funniest thing that's ever happened to them, including Brad who maybe in that clip a little bit also in another clip um, where they first come on and introduce everyone um and him and Jennifer Aniston say hi to each other like he looks visibly like he's blushing and like he's kind of nervous and laughing and she's just like as cool as can fucking be I mean the coolest cucumber on the face of the earth anyway I'm obsessed with that and I'm also obsessed with the fact that Shia LaBeouf was tapped to play the Sean Penn character Jess Piccoli and he true to form did the entire thing from his car, high as a kite, smoking a joint, visibly on the Zoom, and rocking these like insane lime green, like wraparound sunglasses, like absolute scene stealer outside of the Brad and Jen stuff. Like, you know, if you're not a Shia fan, I get it, dude's weird, but like also fucking commits and totally nailed it. So. If you haven't watched some of the clips of the table read, I highly, highly recommend it because it brought me a lot of joy. <laughs> Again, so glad that you're bringing us, like I, I saw the like, it, you know, internet thumbnails of the buzzworthiness of this, but I had not actually partaken. Um, thank you for giving me the best of the best there. Um, mm -hmm. And I will say about Shia LaBeouf, it's really like, it's popular to like shit on him but I kind of feel like if I knew him, I'd like him. Like, I feel like he- I agree. Really, like he really, like, I mean, I don't need him as Indiana Jones, but uh, <laughs> that notwithstanding, I, he, you know, dude seems like he's a nice kid. Like, yeah, I mean, I, alone. I think that he's probably pretty fucking weird, but I think Shia LaBeouf is an amazing actor. And like, I think his strange off-screen antics sometimes like, cloud over just like how talented he actually is like he's a very good actor and i think that he picks really interesting projects including this one so recommend um okay uh my next honorable mention is that eddie murphy won an emmy for guest hosting snl last december so uh it was the um it had been 40 years since he had been nominated and i think one or at least nominated or was on the show i'm not sure between his last snl stint and this one and everyone was really excited last december when he was sort of coming home and uh hosting the show and coming back over such a long time away and i remember that episode it was quite good he you know it was lovely to see him there on the stage and last week when they handed out the like technical 
arts Emmys, the ones that they, they don't show on the show. Um, he won a guest host and guest performance is usually one of those. And he won that. And I really, really liked that and was really happy for him. Um, yeah, I think he was up against Brad Pitt playing Dr. Fauci, um, which I also would have been fine with, except that it felt a little silly because he was on there for like, you know, 30 seconds. But I'm very happy that Eddie Murphy won that for his performance last year. Um, and then my third honorable mention is something that I want to kill and I hate that I want to kill it. Um, have you caught any clips of the Drew Barrymore talk show? No, I saw like, I don't even know where it, like, did I dream it? I don't know. Sure. Like, yeah, I saw, a, a, <laughs> like, it's like super wide. Like she's in some like giant mm -hmm. football stadium style studio i don't know what's happening tell me so more. i love drew barrymore i think she's lovely i just think she exudes everything that makes me happy um and she has said many times that being a talk show host is something that she's always wanted to do so i'm happy that she's getting to flex that muscle i didn't have high hopes for the show though just because i don't i don't know but for some reason it just had all of the makings of being either like really cheesy or um, overly saccharine. I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but like I saw a clip and it felt exactly how I thought it would feel. So um, this is maybe one of the most awkward things I've ever seen on the internet. I'm gonna share it, <laughs> gonna share it with you so that, so that you can see it also. <laughs> Welcome back. I couldn't begin this journey without two women who have been a part of my heart for over 20 years. We are friends. We are fellow angels. Please welcome my partners in crime and life, Lucy Liu and Cameron Diaz. So if you couldn't tell from the clip, which how could you, um, she brings on Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu. The chairs are socially distanced, okay, and they can't hug. And so Lucy Liu and Cameron Diaz, they come on and they're just like squealing at each other and they're just like, ooh, and they can't hug. And they like, Drew clearly wants to reach out and touch Lucy Liu. So they're just sort of like, sort of like squealing and squirming at each other in excitement, you know, 10 feet apart. It's very uncomfortable. And then they sit down and there's this like lull before Drew Barrymore starts to talk. And it's just like, uh, it just felt so strange. And I think it's just cause like, yeah, they're socially distant. Talk shows are weird now. She, you know, she could have easily done it over Zoom like many other talk shows are doing, but she decided to have them in person. And it just is like, maybe we shouldn't be doing things in person when we can't really do things in person. <laughs> and it just made me laugh. And I just had to share it with somebody. Also, like, cause, cause, Drew Barrymore is like everybody's best friend, right? Like she's yeah. everybody's best friend. And so like saying anything negative about her feels, it hurts, right? It hurts yeah. to do it. So like this hurts me to say, but like, like even like it just, 
I don't know. I don't want to say like I. I don't even want to say it. Like it's just not. Mm, <clears throat> I don't want to watch yeah. this show. I know. I think, and like, if you go ahead, they clearly the 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 executives behind this were like, okay, we need a new something. Drew wants to do this. Great, and you know we want we want a new Ellen, right? We want a new Ellen. And let's make that work and we're going to make it work with COVID and we're going to put some production value behind it because people want high production value right now. That's what this looks like to me. But she looks very uncomfortable. Yes, yes, yes. Everything you just said, exactly, exactly. Um, And like, frankly, if this lasts, I mean, I don't know. I just don't expect it to last, which makes me feel bad that she will have done something and put so much work into it and it won't be successful. But like, it kind of reminds me of the Busy Phillips talk show on E! where... The idea of Busy Phillips hosting a talk show, I find fun, but the way that it was executed and like the segments they had and stuff, like it just didn't, it didn't manifest in a way that made a show that I wanted to watch really. And that made me sad because I wanted her to succeed in something like that. But I just think maybe they structured it differently and tried to do, I, I don't know, almost like retooled it in a different way so that it felt less forced. It would have really worked. And I get this see it. I get this feeling as well. The only thing that I will say is that I think I read a quote that Drew Barrymore, uh, she's like really focusing on like female guests on her show um, because she quote, doesn't really have time for dudes on the show. And I fucking was like, burn it down, girl. Like, I love everything about that. Um, So I hope it succeeds, but I'm not going to watch it. So just make it better. So we'll watch it. Yeah. Um, so those are my honorable mentions. Kristen, you, you don't have any? No. Okay. Okay. You're all worn out from all your, your three kills. I get it. Yeah. That's it for this week. Did we miss your favorite or least favorite, uh, thing? Um, call us and tell us, give us a cool question, complain, agree with us, disagree with us, whatever. Our phone number is 805-628-BOOP. That's 805-628-2667. We might just play your voicemail on the show. That is it. Thanks for listening. If you don't already, please be sure to subscribe to Pop Culture FMK on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and check us out at popculturefmk.com. Before we go, we would be remiss if we didn't tell you to talk to one person about the podcast this week if you love it as much as we do. We'll see you guys soon. No, we won't see you at all because this is a podcast. (laughs) What we will do, though, is um, tell you guys that we love you. We hope you're staying safe. If you do not have a plan to vote, you should get online and make a plan to vote. Uh, We can even provide advice on our Instagram if you need help um, because we want you to get out there and vote. Um, Also, we want you to vote for Biden. So if you're going to go vote for Trump, then disregard everything I'm saying right now. (laughs) If you're going to vote for Trump and you've made it this far in our podcast, I really want to fucking understand you. That's fair. Um, And also, Black Lives Matter, and we love you a bunch, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.